from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome writer Jeffrey James Keyes. Jeffrey is an interdisciplinary writer and artist living in Uptown NYC. He is a New York Times bestselling author for Killer Chef, which he co-authored with James Patterson. Jeffrey was the inaugural Le Engel Raman Prize recipient for mentorship through Pan America. His award-winning short film, Uniform, was featured in over 30 film festivals worldwide, and his short, 181, was part of the first Inwood Film Festival. He is a recipient of the 2019 Artist Patrons Fund and wrote the script for Digital Arrest, a new virtual reality experience that won the top prize in creative technology at NYC Media Lab. He just wrapped work on his latest project, Christmas, which is a short that will be part of a series of film monologues through the Fresh Fruit Festival. His new television pilot script, Cream City, has placed in over 10 film festivals, including recently winning first place in the Niagara Falls Short Film Festival. This spring, Poseidon Theatre Company will relaunch Drama, an Aural Experience, a podcast series featuring a collection of his short-form audio plays, all within the horror realm. He's also been collaborating with a new collective playwrights he initiated called The Convening. We're going to talk about all of this work and so much more, but first... Let me welcome you, Jeffrey, and what I was on air. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Um, as I mentioned, uh, you co-authored the New York Times bestseller Killer Chef with James Patterson, who was arguably one of the most popular contemporary writers of our time. Uh, how did that come about? You know, I it's funny. I I was I was pursuing other work, um, specifically in television, and at the time, uh, Patterson had uh, his show Zoo um, in production. And I was really trying to see how I could get work on Zoo. And so I met with a variety of different people with his company. And um, I met with both of his presidents. And I was recommended. Um, they, asked if I, um, they asked if I was interested in writing a book. And I said, yes. And so I did a trial run. I sent him two chapters. And they loved it. So You didn't we, say, no, 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 Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, you know what, let's get the book through first. And then Zoo. And then, you know, Zoo was done. So... I didn't have the option of, I didn't have the opportunity to work on Zoo, unfortunately. But the book is forever. The book is forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it was my first book. So it was exciting. That's incredibly exciting. Uh, what was the process like collaborating with him to tell the story you were wanting to tell? It was really, it was a cool experience for me. It was fast and furious. Basically, uh, I received a lot of information about what he was thinking for the book. And so I started developing it. I started developing chapters from this very thorough outline that he had put together that was basically a treatment. And I worked for three months, and I did the book in three months. So he kind of gave you the treatment, and so as a kind of a roadmap, or did you have your own ideas and meet him in the middle? Like how how'd that go? I really executed his vision for okay. the story. Cool. Um, but I was definitely able to infuse it with a little bit of my, you know, of who I am and myself. Awesome, awesome. Well, and I, and I guess the main thing is the writer. Are you happy with the final version? I really am. I I loved it. I had a lot of fun working on it, and. Um, actually seeing something that was tangible that I could hold in my hand that I could share with people that I could give to people yeah. was just a thrill for me and the story itself I thought came out really well well it's available people on Amazon wherever else go go, go get it okay <laughs> um, well in addition to writing books uh, you all you're also a very established playwright for the stage and screen um, and 
Do you have a preference amongst these multiple mediums that you've worked in? Uh, do you have like a secret favorite amongst like between film, stage, writing, books? You know, I love them all. However, theater is my foundation. Um, it's my home base. It's my first love. So absolutely, I would say playwriting. Awesome. And uh, do you have a favorite play that you've written? Um, yeah, you know, I wrote this play that I, I feel like it it still needs, it still, it. I, I think about how Tony Kushner rewrites things. Like he writes, like he rewrote Homebody Cobble. He's written, rewritten Angels in America several times. Um, you know, a couple seasons ago, um, the public redid, um, I forget the name of the play. Was Sorry. it A Bright Room Called Day? Yeah, Bright Room Called Day. Yeah. So he wrote, he rewrote that. And I feel, not that I would put myself in the same category as Tony Kushner, but I think that I'm continually rewriting things. And so there's this play called Isle Royale that uh, takes place just off uh, in this remote island off the coast of Michigan that I went to when I was a teenager. And I wrote a play based there, essentially. And I keep, I keep coming back to that. I feel like it's my favorite play. I think I'm not done with it. I think that yeah. there's still more work to be done on it. But that would be my favorite, my favorite piece that I'm working on. Well, I think it's really great for people to hear that, like how your work evolves and there's no reason why the work has to be finished because um, it's, it's for an audience happening now. And so you're evolving, the audience is evolving, and, you know, and you're learning more about yourself, you're learning more about the piece the longer you spend with it, and, and you're learning about the audience that you're hopefully intending it for. I agree, and I feel like you... You learn from taking in other work. You learn from watching other things and seeing how they solve certain issues that you maybe are coming up with in your writing. Mm -hmm. I've been watching the show Yellow Jackets quite a bit, and I feel like Yellow Jackets in tone is very similar to my play. Okay. And so I'm learning a lot by watching that, and I keep having that in the back of my mind that, oh my gosh, I want to go back and reconstruct this thing because they did it in this way, and while I'm not going to do it in that same way, it's... I've learned from I've learned from what I've taken in as as a spectator and audience member as well. Do you have any um, plans, or does anyone have any plans to produce this new version? Uh, not currently, but I'm I'm definitely once I'm at a place where I want to start sharing it again, okay. I'll definitely start sharing it quite a bit. Excellent, because now you got my appetite whetted for it. I want to hear want to see this play. Ah, thanks. Um, so. Uh, speaking of playwriting, this past fall, you started a playwrights collective called The Convening. Uh, can you tell us the mission behind The Collective and how it came to be? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this fall, um, the closing of The Lark, I think, was was big in the playwriting community. And I saw a lot of people being extremely frustrated and already immediately feeling the impact of this institution that did so much for playwrights um, suddenly being gone. And I know that certain organizations have absorbed certain programming that had already been a part of the LARC. But I thought, you know, if we've learned nothing in the past couple of years, it's been we don't have to wait to, um, to you know, we don't have to wait for production. We don't have to wait for development. We don't have to wait for all of these things. There, there are things that we can do on our own. And I think that as a community, we can come together and we can try to support each other in a variety of ways, sharing information, um, encouraging people to continue to continue on. And, you know, now we don't need to go to a physical space to have a reading as playwrights. We can do it on Zoom. We can do it, you know, we can we can listen to things. We can give people feedback in a variety of ways. And so I created the convening um, for playwrights to come together as a group. Um, I think some people initially thought, oh, this could be like a, like a support group in a way. And I don't see it necessarily fully as a support group as I see it as 
um, a kind of uh, like I would say collective where we support each other and encourage each other, but also find opportunities for each other and find concrete things that we can be doing to take ourselves to the next level. And so I think that there is a little bit of some components of the lark in there. I think there's a little bit of um, new dramatists elements in there, but I think that it's different. I think that we, what we can do as, as a community and as a group of people together is really powerful. I think that we don't have to wait for people to give us opportunities. We can seek them out as a group, but we can also support each other and push each other to that next place, which is, which can be very simple steps. Um, some people, for instance, some, you know, there are all these submission opportunities. Some of them require references, and that's a hurdle for people. I think some people, maybe, maybe they're 10, 20 years out of school, so they don't want to ask a former prof professor to write a letter of reference for them. They don't want to ask an institution to write a letter of reference for them. We can do that for them. We can, we can as a collective, say, oh, I've known your work for 15 years. I would love to write a reference letter for you. So we don't have to wait for all these institutional things to to propel us to that next place, we can do it on our own. Very important to have endorsements. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I find more and more being someone who hires book writers and librettists and playwrights, um, you it's not really so much a question of talent. It's a question of do we want to work with them and be tied to them for the rest of our lives uh, professionally. Yes. Because uh, people think, oh, you're only doing a play. It's only going to be like, four weeks of rehearsal and maybe a four to five week run somewhere. Um, no, that play lives on. And, <laughs> and hopefully, um, and I say this from an optimistic point of view is that I love writers. I love actors. I love, um, I mean, from people who ever listen to this podcast knows that I'm a big cheerleader for creatives in general. Um, but there's something to be said about being linked to someone who may not be good to work with as much as you may love their work. Once you actually work with them, things can change uh, and some relationships don't work out because that's just life. Um, but I think what you're saying is wonderful, the fact that you guys are not only a support system, but I like to talk a tad bit further because I'm so interested in um, hearing like the actual nuts and bolts of like, what is a typical meeting like? I was like, is it, are you guys sharing work? Are you sharing like, you know, a scene? Does everybody get like a specific amount of time? Um, or is it just more of a support group of having, you know, is there time just to chat? And you know, like you're saying for support, uh, career, career support rather than content support. So I was curious if you'd enlighten us and how the group operates as far as the services of the group. Of course. So we have a monthly meeting and we do have business that, that we need to attend to essentially. Um, but different people bring things to me between the meetings and different people say, hey, I think, I think that we should explore this. So for instance, uh, later this spring, we're going to have somewhat of a reading series that we're putting together. And so at, at our last meeting, we, covered, we touched on that quite a bit. What, what shape would it look like? What, would it, what type of actors would we bring in? Where would it be? Um, which organization might we be interested in partnering with? Um, and so people, different people introduce certain things. Um, and so we, we touch on all of those things, but we have you know, space and time for people to share where they are, where their headspace is, what they're thinking about, um, anything that they're excited about coming up. Um, and so you know, each meeting is a little bit different, but we, we always have quite a bit to cover and we keep the meetings pretty, you know, an hour 15, but you know, we typically go over a little bit because there's always, there's always more to the conversation that we wanna, that we wanna get in. I've never seen a playwright lost for words. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of incubating new ideas, um, I want to shift and new work. 
um, and and time for those ideas to gestate and come up. Um, you've created a retreat for yourself. Yes. Uh, upstate to do just that, uh, that, that you call it Patent Pond. Yes. Right? So, and you would like to open up this to others in the spirit of not so much it has to be part of the convening, but uh, possible to eight other writers like yourself. Can you talk about this little piece of heaven? Absolutely. So Patent Pond is a property that my husband and I purchased. It's a little over five acres. And it's in Austerlitz, New York, which is where Edna St. Vincent Millay lived. And we're actually just down the, ho- the, we're just down the mountain from the Millay Society, which used to be called the Malay Colony. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we actually get quite a few. Um, we, we have it listed on Airbnb for, for proper rentals. Um, but we actually get quite a few people who either just stayed at Malay and want to stay in the area a little bit longer, or for, you know, I mean, with an artist residency, it's just them. So sometimes we'll get, like, their spouse will stay at our place. And... And they can, you know, they can spend time together on the weekends. Um, so we definitely see some, I would say, some some connection between between the the Malay uh, the Malay society. Um, but it's it's our own it's our own place. Um, my husband and I are both are both writers, and so we spend time writing there. We spend time creating, recharging, dreaming, um, all of the above. We were fortunate enough to find it, and uh, and I guess close in on it right before the pandemic hit. And so we were able to spend much of, you know, much of 2020 redeveloping it, um, you know, fixing it up, getting it ready to stay in. And then that fall, we were able to stay there and start opening it up for other people to come out as well. So now it's open. And, and how do they contact you to be part of this? Well, through Airbnb it... right now, but okay. we, we do eventually want to create it. Uh, we want to shift so that it is also a space where where we can have, you know, friends and colleagues, you know, come there as well and kind of have their own residency. All right. So beyond look out in Airbnb folks for the opportunity for Pat and Pond up there. Um, well, uh, let's shift the, uh, the conversation to film now. Uh, cause there's just so much to cover. We did, we did the written word on the books and that we'd plays. And now we're going to do your film career here a little bit. This is your life, Jeffrey James Keyes. <laughs> um, you've wrote a terrific course short, um, 181, uh, that debuted at our film festival, and uh, and that was a great experience. And um, and I understand now you have a new short in pre-production. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I write a lot of monologues. Basically, I I'm someone who loves working in short form and loves developing short projects. And so my I started I started thinking about how in the pandemic specifically, how can I create theater that's online or that's virtual or or and so I started kind of digging into my existing content and developing more that could be filmed. And so this is just an example of one of those monologues that I really saw could be something that could be a short film. And so I started submitting it for different opportunities. And this one came up and kind of at the end of last year, it was pretty fast and furious. We had a, a very short time frame to film it. Um, and we, you know, my director and I filmed it and we had, we had a, great, a great experience with it. Uh, my director's Aaron. His name is Aaron Salazar, and he um, he did a tremendous job with this piece. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be in this festival a little a little bit later this year um, to be decided. I'm not sure exactly when it launches. It might be two weeks from now, um, <laughs> but the information will be up and available um, accordingly. 
That's the world of COVID. We'll, we'll let you know when we can do it. Right, exactly. Great. Exactly. Well, that's fantastic. Um, and you have a pilot making the rounds as well. Uh, so I'm curious how, and we mentioned how it's mid-awards and, and throughout the different, different festivals. I'm curious because you've had shorts in festivals and then you have essentially screenplays uh, as going for prizes for different festivals. I'm curious how does a film festival help uh, a pilot script get noticed and has it helped yours in what way? I would say, okay, so I think that there's a lot of, there's, there's no, there's no one definitive way to get your work into somebody's hands and into production. I think that there are a lot of different opportunities for writers to get their work out there. And I think historically kind of the route that I've taken as a writer is I need to get my work to a manager or to an agent or a production company, and then they'll take it from there. And I think that submitting to film festivals can be a really great way, if they have a scripts division, can be a really great way while you're developing and refining it to get feedback and to get, you know, I think that you can take a workshop or a class or hire a script consultant to get that feedback, but if you're submitting for a variety of different places, you're getting, and you're paying for the feedback, or if it's already built into what the submission fee is, you're getting a lot of different, um, completely unbiased notes on your script that can be useful, that you can take or leave, but it can be very useful. And especially when there are consistent notes from places that are saying, you need to, you know, you need to fix this storyline, or you need to, this character needs more heat, or I don't understand this conflict, or I don't understand what you're doing here. It can be remarkably helpful for you as you're continuing to develop it so that the script as you revise it just gets better and better and ultimately you want to put your best foot forward and once it is in the hands of a production company or you know or 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 in a producer's hands it's going to evolve regardless but you want to make your script as foolproof as possible so it's a really helpful way for getting your work out there feedback is so important and at whatever level um and for those who aren't quite familiar with the process um it's, it is subjective, obviously, but uh, it could take months, if not years, to get a theater company slash a production company to in film to get back to you, if ever. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so to have these kind of festivals um, with the mission to aid writers, it's very valuable. And I just really thank you for being so forthwith about how it's helped you and, and, and how it helps others, too, because it's it's kind of a foreign concept. You're like, wait. You're going to film festival, but you can't see the film. You have to, or or the pilot can't do see the pilot, and they have to put effort have to read it. Or, um, but my hope is that kind of going back to what you said, the convening too is like these endorsements can help move with feedback, which hopefully is helpful uh, and constructive, can help move the play forward in different ways. Not only just from the creative side and and building um, the structure of the story uh, and aiding you and and crafting it. But also, hopefully, it'll put it in the right hands for it to be done and, and gain, gain, like I said, popularity, for lack of a better term, to I, move it forward. I agree. And, you know, Aaron, we both came into this field as actors, essentially. Yeah. And I feel like my approach as an actor in going to an audition is not necessarily to book this job. Yeah, of course, that's the goal. But it's so that these people meet me and they know who I am. And maybe they'll consider me for something for something else. And I think in a similar in a similar realm, submitting your script for a festival, the readers who are there are they have other jobs, they have other companies that, that they're working with, they're developing their own projects. They might be the head of their own production company. 
Right. And so you're not necessarily just thinking about this film festival at hand. You're thinking about the reach of all of the people who work for that company. But also if you place in the festival, more people will be reading your work or more people will will see that you've that you've accomplished this or that you've done this. And, you know, the agents and managers and everybody else will see that announced when yeah. they get information from the newsletter that they subscribe to or yeah. something along those lines. So you, you don't just think about the immediate. You think about the longevity of your project. And there's something to be said, too, going back to the actor metaphor, if you will, the actor world is that, you know, how many times does your headshot go across somebody's desk, you know, when you kept or, or writing a personalized postcard in the sense of like... How, using that as, you know, how many times they keep seeing your name with a new project or the same project that keeps on getting accolades and building saying, why didn't I read that? If, if Austin Film Festival looked at it and gave it a, gave it a nod, why, why didn't we do it? And it makes them, you know, reconsider, if not um, reinvest in you as um, a creative. And I think that is one way of getting your work done and, and, to your point too, is that it's about building a career. Yes. It's not about that one specific show, if your audition or your submission for that one pilot, um, bringing it back to writing. It's about your work and your body of work and being a trusted person and cultivating a career, right? Yeah, I mean, you're building a community as well and you're you're entering other people's communities. So you need to be respectful. And I think that you also need to understand those rules of the community um, in order to get your work out there. And being part of that community is that's the way you do it, folks. Yeah. Um, or one way, I'll say it, one way of doing it. Um, well, uh, I said you've you've had success in many different forms. It's we and we've covered all of them, I think. Uh, so, what advice? Uh, kind of like kind of segueing off from that for the uh, um, the film festival route, and you know, keep putting yourself out there is one, of course. Um, but is there any particular advice you can give to writers out there who are trying to find ways to create and getting their projects noticed? Yeah. So I think that. Hands down, you have to keep generating work and you have to give yourself the opportunity to create work however however you are able to. I think some people really think that they need to ascribe to what other writers do for, for developing and cultivating work. If you're a writer that needs to wake up at three in the morning and you know scribble on your desk and then, and then refine it a little bit later, that's fine. If you are somebody that needs to not write for a whole year and then sit down over a long weekend and bang out a book, hey, more power to you. Like that, you have to listen to your intuition within within that realm. Um, and you have to just put it out there then. I think that a lot of times, a lot of times you don't know how to put it out there, but you just have to do it. I have all of these short forms and all these short materials. And so just in conversations with friends that are putting things out there, I've said, I have all this stuff, I have all this content, but I don't necessarily know what to do with it. And so that's how, that's how the, the drama podcast came about because we, I just was like, I have all these like creepy ghost story, like thriller type horror genre things. Right. Um, would you take a look at it and see if there's anything, what I should do with it? I've, I had been building it so that I could do basically a compilation of short horror plays essentially. And so we started making them a podcast, which is drama and oral experience. And um, we had the, th the first three out. They went over very well. And um, we've been regrouping a little bit. And we're, we've, we've recorded the next three. And we're uh, continuing to build more. Well, that's great advice. In the words of Nike, just do it and keep doing it. Um, and so where can we find 
more of your work and all of your materials? Where can we send people? So two places. My website is jeffreyjameskeys.com. It's two E's, not one. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on social media at Jeffrey at JJ Keys is my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. Um, I'm also on the new play exchange, which also we didn't really talk about that, but that's like, yeah. if you're a playwright, yeah. I think that that is the best place to put your work. I think that it's becoming, it, it is a landing page for all playwrights essentially. And I think that a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon with it. Um, we could chat more about new play exchange. It's if you're a, I feel like I feel like we we can. We we, we, don't, we don't, we're not short on time by any means. But I just feel like uh, there's to go right there with it. And I I had a thought about this when we were talking about um, the lark and everything too. Is like you know the landscape has changed with COVID so much. And I was a question I kind of had my crawl. And I think this this you bring it up. Let's let's go there. Um, you know. What what is the landscape now? You have, I mean, New York Station Film is great for um, cultivating new work, and yes. from, from reading level up to development level uh, to full production level for short periods of time. Um, you have places like um, New Dramatists, a lot about cultivation. Um, you have obviously you have off off Broadway for showcase theater about you know let's skip the reading level let's just go do it for 20 30 20 30,000 and 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 just see it warts and all and see or and see what shines as well um and then you have like the new play network which is a vast you could talk we please talk about it, it's, a, it's a vast collection throughout the country it's, it's beyond new york it's huge yeah. so new play exchange is basically a website kind of similar to a lot of people know about the blacklist for film and for television scripts. And that's a website where basically you can pay, I think it's like, I, I forget what the amount is, but you pay a certain amount to host your script so that executives can can read it and can see it. And so that you can be considered for different things like their blacklist list of, you know, very top of the line scripts. New Play Exchange is basically a place where you can host all of your scripts for a very low fee for, for writers. And um, other writers, other actors, you know, theater professionals, whoever is on New Play Exchange can essentially recommend your play and write a, write a short note about it. And so I think as playwrights, you definitely want to try to get people to read your scripts and give a nice give a nice note on it so it maybe comes up in the algorithm more. I don't know exactly how that works with it. Um, but essentially, you tag your script in a certain way. I can tag it and say, this is a ghost story, or this is a queer story, or this features, you know, this centers women. Um, or this is a play that it has a Christmas theme in it. And so I can tag my play a variety of different ways. So if you as a theater producer are looking for a Halloween play, you're going to click on that Halloween tag and, you know, thousands of scripts will come up. But it'll be what you're looking for. You're looking for to, to look through dozens and it's dozens of It's a searchable database. And you can, like you're looking for an apartment, you can, or a house or whatever, a searchable database that you can break down towards how, how many... No, Big thing for small and large regional, any theater is the right. size of cast. Yes. Uh, and so you can sort by that. You can sort by genre, like you're saying. Uh, and so it can be very helpful. Absolutely. And I think it's a great place for, you know, touching on that question of how can you as a writer be proactive and be productive? I think that it's a really good way to be proactive because you never know who's going to find your script. And I've received inquiries, um, inquiries for option, inqu inquiries for production, a variety of things from people I've never met that I don't know that I haven't submitted to. And then you build your community that way. You know, then I, I Google them, I look up their company, I, I look into it and I see if I want to follow up with them. If, if, 
if you know if I'm okay with them doing a production of my company of of a show that right. that I've that I've put up there. So it's 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 really proactive, and it's good to just read other people's work. It's for me. I love reading other other playwrights' plays because the full thing's there, and it's not just an excision, right? It's you a, can it's do a, either. You can yeah. put up you can put up a sample, and maybe that's you know maybe you don't want to jump into reading a full length, sure. But you read a sample, and you're like, oh, I'd like to keep reading this. So you can do that. See, so I want people to go there and find Jeffrey's work <laughs> and produce it. Uh, and I'm curious, is your favorite play up there? Yeah, it is. There I, you go. Isle Royale. <laughs> See, bring it back full circle. Right. <laughs> and I have a lot of shorts up there too. If you want to take a look at, you know, a ten-minute play, or I have one-minute plays up there, monologues, and yeah. you know, every different category. <laughs> we, yeah. we, actors, we 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 actors put them up need there. monologues for auditions. Um, producers need short plays for short play festivals. It's really smart. It's really smart. Well, I'm so proud of you, and I just it's so. So great to see you being so proactive. You're a perfect example, I think, what people should be doing in the writing community, particularly for the performing arts and screen, stage and screen. Uh, so I wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you. And thank you again for being on our program here Absolutely. Today. Thanks for having me. And thank you for um, showing me this really cool space that we're in. Um, there's a farmer's market, you know, in the street in front of us. It's just in what is such a lively neighborhood. I love it. Well, I think we've done a good job in showcasing it in a positive light. Yes. So, yes. And we hope we keep doing that. And you continue to. Which, well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. So uh, thanks again to Jeffrey James Keys for joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air. It's where I meet the musicians, theater makers, writers, filmmakers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Uh, many thanks to Church of Good Shepherd for hosting us here in Inwood, NYC, and uh, to HeightSites.com for uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, uh, concerts, Filmworks Alfresco, art galleries, live performances, podcasts, and more. Uh, you can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is supported in part by public funds the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.